This is episode 649 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's podcast, I have a special interview with Bernie Carr of ApartmentPrepper.com. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. But from time to time, I interview members of the preparedness community who can bring a ton of value and information to your preparedness. Links for this podcast can be found in the show notes or on theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website, so you can know you can trust it. Other benefits include members-only video, periodic webinars, and online meetups. This is a great value for $20 a year. For more information, visit PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. I'm so glad that you are here hanging out with me on this podcast episode. Hey, I want to let you just know that we received two more uh, reviews on iTunes and I just... I, I can't express enough how much of a blessing it is when I see one, but when I see two, and especially coming off of last week. And so I just want to say thank you and give a quick shout out. Uh, the first one comes to us from BW Memphis, and it says, Great show. Jimmy Meeks was great. Loads of good advice and wisdom. And so they refer BW Memphis, thank you for that. And you're referring to episode 648, where I interviewed Jimmy Meeks of sheepdog seminars and so that was a great interview if you haven't listened to that one go back and and make sure you listen to that one and then the second interview or i'm sorry the second review came from katie p and katie says working my way backwards through your library and finding a nugget in every episode that i can use thoroughly enjoyed the most recent podcast with jimmy meeks his passion for protection was very evident keep them coming todd i'll keep listening katie p so I got to tell you, when I saw these two come through this morning, uh, you know, most of you know that I record on Sundays. I, um, at least I'm recording this introduction and the outro to this podcast episode on Sunday. Uh, I copied those reviews and I sent them over to Jimmy and just to let him know that, uh, you know, two, two reviews came just because of his, uh, his interview. And so I know that's a blessing to him as well. Uh, he just wants to get the, the good word out there. So uh, again, thank you so much for leaving those reviews. And then also, I know that there's a lot of reviews, uh, a lot of you that are leaving five-star reviews or you know, leaving stars uh, as far as uh, that goes on, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and uh, not necessarily you know, leaving any kind of written review. And I greatly appreciate those as well. So thank you so much for doing that. And uh, like I said, it's always a big blessing when I see those come through on my side. So let's go ahead and move forward with our podcast interview. Um, I'm really excited to have Bernie with me uh, here on this interview. She runs ApartmentPrepper.com. Apartment Prepper has been around for a very long time in the preparedness community. There's a lot of great information, a lot of uh, great things that she shares over there. It's not just apartment prepping related. Uh, it, it covers a lot. I mean, everything in preparedness, really. And so uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode and uh, you definitely go over to check out her website. Um, she's featured on Prepper website 
uh, almost every article is featured over on Prepper website. And so I uh, greatly appreciate her and the work that she does for the preparedness community. So without further ado, let's go ahead and move into our interview with Bernie Carr of ApartmentPrepper.com. Hey, Bernie, welcome to the Prepper website podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Hey, can you tell us a little bit about your, you know, well, I got to say, I've been linking to your website for a very, very long time. Actually, I think I visited your website even before Prepper website, and I started all of that. And, uh, yes. you know, so I'm, I'm very familiar with what you do. But share with us a little bit about, you know, for those that are listening, share with us a little bit about yourself and how you started in preparedness. Sure, sure. So I'm Bernie Carr, and I write apartmentprepper.com. But um, I've been writing the blog for about 10 years now. And how I got started really was my introduction to a hurricane, which was Hurricane Ike back in 2008 or thereabouts. And what happened was I had just moved to Houston at the time. And I heard, okay, uh, a hurricane's coming and you better prepare, you know, the, the usual two, three days before it actually hits so I thought, okay, all right, I'll, I'll get ready. And so I, I got out of work maybe uh, half a day to get ready for the hurricane that's supposed to hit the next day. So when I got to the grocery store, I was shocked that the shelves were cleaned out. There were lines, you know, and I snagged the last roll of uh, toilet paper, <laughs> which, you know. Uh, which is remarkable because that started happening, you know, this year again, where there was nothing in the shelves, especially in the toilet here. Anyway, I saw that the aisles were empty of bottled water, canned foods, uh, toilet paper. And so that was the only thing I came out of the store with was a couple of rolls of toilet paper. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll get gas. So I went and tried to get gas and the lines were several blocks long which I never even made made it to, to the line because it was just too long. So I just ended up going home. And then luckily we did have some food in the house and, you know, we weren't too worried about it. But, you know, I would have liked to have more than what I had. So the hurricane hit, that was, and then it caused massive flooding all over Houston. And um, there were no trucks that were, you know, you couldn't even get through the city at the time. I don't know if you remember that, but. It was a massive, massive um, flooding. Oh yeah, in the whole area, and um, that was my first hurricane. So I think I, uh, after it died down, maybe a day later, I thought, okay, well now I'll go to the store and I'll um, I'll restock. Uh, so we went to the store, and there was a line just to get into the store. That was shocking. And then when I got in, uh, I saw that the shelves were completely empty of eggs, milk, and I was like craving for cheese, like <laughs> nobody's business. And I really wanted to get some cheese for some reason. And that was empty too. So, and I wanted to talk to the manager and I talked to the manager and I said, what happened to all your supplies? You know, don't you have anything in the back room? And he explained to me that no, stores don't keep anything in the back room anymore. As soon as the trucks deliver the food, they put they stock the shelves, and once it's gone, they have to wait for the next day's delivery. And that was my introduction to uh, 
the inventory system that's used now, which is the just-in-time delivery system, where stores don't stock up on merchandise. They just sell whatever they have and wait until the trucks come. So I kind of asked them, well, what if, what if the trucks can't come? He said, then we can't restock, which is why the shelves are bare. And so being that Houston was flooded at the time, he said, we're not going to get it resupplied for, you know, another couple of days as soon as the, the floodwaters recede and the trucks are able to get through again. And that was my first introduction to why we need to be prepared at home in case there's a disaster. So that, that kind of unsettled me. And that's when I started reading up on, you know, being prepared for emergencies. And so, um, at the time, there weren't that many sites. There was, there were some, but most of them were like more hardcore survivalist type sites where, you know, you got to have some farmland and, you know, like a retreat location. And I thought, well, what about me? I live in the city and I live in an apartment. You know, how could I, I'd, I'd want to be prepared too. So um, I thought, well, I guess I'll just do whatever I can. And that's when I, thought, well, maybe people would be interested in what I'm doing because maybe they want to be prepared too. So I, that's how I started Apartment Prepper Blog. And I started, you know, writing. I didn't think anybody would read the blog. And sure enough, you know, I started getting emails from from people and interested in, you know, what I'm doing. And then maybe about six months after I started the blog, I I reviewed a book. And then uh, I got an email from a publisher, and they were interested in me writing a book about prepping. And I thought it was a scam. So <laughs> I thought, you know, why would they, you know, be contacting me? And But they said, well, you know, we, we read your blog, and we read about what you're doing, you know, preparing a small space with a small budget, that kind of thing. And they were really interested. So that's how Prepper's Pocket Guide was born. And so uh, I went from there. About a few months later, I got my own uh, domain, uh, apartmentprepper.com, and um, the rest is history. Wow. You know, and so I was, I was just thinking when you were saying that story, when you were telling us that story, I, you know, we went through Ike, and for, uh -huh. Ike, for Ike, we were, um, we were a lot better prepared. We had, um, you know, previously there was Hurricane Katrina, and then right, right after that, Hurricane Rita was supposed to be, it was like a Cat 5, and it was supposed to hit Galveston right. and come right into Houston. And mm -hmm. that was probably the first real big hurricane uh, where we were on our own that, uh, you know, we were, we were preparing for. And we were working in the school district, and at that right. time, we, you know, they, they gave us off that Friday, kind of like you, the same idea, yes. is they let uh -huh. us off. So that we could go prepare because we had just had Hurricane Katrina and they saw all that craziness that happened. So they were giving everybody the opportunity to, to, to get prepared. And right. that's when we went to the store and we had the same experience you had. And it was like, oh my gosh, there's nothing there. You know, it's like there's a, a can of hominy on the, on the <laughs> shelf, you know, that no, no one's going to eat. The one and, that doesn't know what he wants. Yeah, right. right. And so, you know, it's like one of those things that we were a lot better prepared for, for Ike because we experienced Rita. But I guess what I was getting to is, you know, at that time, I didn't have the idea to start a website or start a blog. I started Prepper website 
though, mm -hmm. because I thought people wanted to get prepared and there were so many great articles and blogs out there. I was going to try to put them all in one place. So, so for you, it was that feeling of, I don't like, I don't like the way that it felt to be yes. unprepared and there's got to be other people out there that probably feel the same way. That's exactly right. That's what happened to me. That's, that's great. And you know, that's the thing is a lot of the times we have these, you know, two people can have the same kind of experience and one will take it and use that as a platform to be able to say, you know, Hey, what can I learn from this? What can I do with this and help other people? And other people are like, okay, I'm going to learn from this experience, but I'm just going to learn from it and, and, and internalize everything. And, uh, you know, I'm always talking to my audience about having uh -huh. some kind of a, uh, a micro business or a side hustle. Right. Um, and you know, that's, that's, that's what you've done with, with your blog. That's what I've done with Prepper website. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you have an experience and you're able to turn that into something that other people want. So, uh, it's a great story, really great story. And, and I love that I can identify with it because I'm here, you know, in, in Houston and I, we went through Ike and we went through all of that. And uh, a lot of people can identify with the hurricane aspect of it, but then right. our, our friends up to the north can identify with the blizzards and, and when that comes in and, and how that knocks out all their power and, you know, their, uh, their grocery, grocery resupplies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I think yeah, I think it's great that you can relate to it. So the now you know my I, I joke about it, but it it's really the truth is that Hurricane Ike actually spawned my writing career because prior to that I wasn't even intending to be a writer. That's that's there you go, man. It took you it took you to a whole nother place and opened exactly up, opened up a lot of options. That's great, a great way to to view you know, a, a situation that you that you learn from and, and to move forward with that. Um, one of the, one of the reasons or the main reason why I have you on is because apartment prepping, there, there are a lot of people that live in apartments in, in, in the Houston area, tons of yes. apartments, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, right. but that's the case everywhere. And so not, but not only just apartments, but people live in small homes and have small spaces. And so I really wanted to talk to you about that. So can you talk to us a little bit about the major differences then as, as we move forward in this episode, what are the major differences for someone who preps uh, living in an apartment versus someone who might live in a home? Well, the, the main differences I, I will say is the lack of space because generally apartments are smaller than homes. So, um, you know, you kind of have to be creative about where you store stuff because, you know, 50% of prepping or maybe 70% of prepping is, is having some supplies around you. So you really got to make sure you maximize your use of the space that you do have. It doesn't mean that you can't prep. It just means that you have less space um, to work with. Another thing that's uh, a little different is uh, when you live in an apartment, they're, they, they're constantly somebody coming in doing some kind of inspection, which you know, uh, I'm a private person and I really value, you know, operational security. And I don't really want anybody seeing what I have stored up. You know, that's my own business. So you also got to be creative about hiding your, your preps, um, you know, because sometimes they have a fire inspection or they have some kind of uh, bank inspection. You know, when you live in an apartment, there's always somebody coming in. 
And then finally, you also have to deal with regulations about what you can and can't have in your unit, such as, you know, some of the places I've lived don't allow a, a barbecue in the, um, in the balcony, or they may not allow a generator, you know, that kind of thing. So you have to live within those, the, the confines of the rules and regulations that your, that your building allows. So those are the main differences. But uh, again, you know, these are just challenges that you have to work around. It doesn't mean that you can't prep. You absolutely can, because if I can do it, anyone can do it. So challenges to, to just find a, a solution to, and uh, hopefully we can get to a lot of those solutions today. So talk to us a little bit before we get into the actual um, idea of prepping in, in small spaces. Mm-hmm. You, you've lived in an apartment, you said, for a while. Talk to yes. us a little bit about some practical steps of what to look for when considering uh, an apartment complex that you, that you want to live in. Uh, you know, my, my son and my daughter-in-law just recently moved mm-hmm. into an apartment and, right. you know, there was a lot of things that I went through, you know, talking to them about I'm like, Hey, consider this, consider this, consider that. But I, I mean, the only experience that I have living in an apartment was the first year of marriage. I, I really enjoyed it because it's a small <laughs> space. There's not a lot to clean. You don't, exactly, have, to, yeah. you, you yeah. don't have to do a yard. You don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. But, right. uh, you know, that's, that's my experience many, many, many years ago. Talk to us a little bit uh, about some practical tips when, when you're considering an apartment complex to move into. Okay, yeah, I'm glad you asked that because actually I, I got, I've been getting emails from people that are actually now considering moving because of all this, uh, what's happening, you know, currently with, you know, COVID and uh, maybe a change in their budget or maybe they're seeing that it's unsafe where they are. So, um, well, the first thing is you got to figure out what, why are you moving? Are you looking for lower rent or are you unhappy with the area that kind of thing so uh, the first thing I check is check the crime statistics in the area that you're thinking about moving to so you know usually when you're you're saying I'm gonna get an apartment you already have a couple of areas in mind that you know that those are your target areas but before you even you know narrow it down I would check crime statistics in those areas. And a lot of police departments keep, you know, keep a list by zip codes and you can actually see block by block where the burglaries are happening, uh, where they have armed robberies, uh, rapes, murders, that kind of thing. So you can actually narrow it down by zip code and all the way down to uh, the street corners, you know, the blocks of where you're moving to. So I'd check that and definitely pick something where hardly any crime is going on. And even if there's some crime, you, you need to have your eyes open on which areas, which corners and in that area are the ones to avoid because you definitely want to avoid, you know, walking through those areas or, you know, if you could possibly avoid driving through those areas, that's good too. Another thing you need to think about is to commute because I swear when I was living in Houston, all the leasing managers and all the real estate agents, they say, Oh, it's 15 minutes away from downtown. <laughs> Everything's 15 minutes, but it's never 15 minutes. It's usually like an hour, hour and a half of a commute from the suburbs. You know, have you found that? Because that's this is this is what happened to me everywhere I went. Oh, it's 15 minutes to downtown. It's oh yeah, not. yeah. No, it's 15 minutes if there's no traffic. You know, it's right. a su- Sunday morning. No one's on the road, and and yeah, you can blast through and and get there, but. 
not with uh, traffic. So what would you, would you recommend then people actually drive that? Like if you, if you know yeah. you're going to have to go from uh, your, this apartment complex and you're really serious about this one and uh -huh. you have to go downtown, maybe make that run one morning and see what it actually Oh, yeah, I've done that. First, you know, I would check Google Maps and I would check at the busiest time of the day and what it shows. So, you know, then if you actually want to do a dry run, I would recommend doing the dry run because it's never what you think it is because, you know, Google Maps might say 45 minutes. But, you know, actually sitting there, it probably is going to be more like an hour or hour 15. So, yes, I would I would at least try that commute once. Because, you, you know, it's a long-term thing. You know, your leases are usually a year, uh, you know, six months to a year. So, and if you get stuck in an area that the commute is horrible, you got to live with that for a while. So, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't cost you any, just a, you know, a few bucks worth of gas to just try that drive. Yeah. So, yeah. another thing is uh, check the school district. You know, if you're planning to have kids or have kids, check the school district because you always know uh, – you know, by the rankings and all that, what kind of schools are are you getting into, that sort of thing. Uh, another thing is um, check the, the the type of disasters in that area because a lot of areas in, in uh, you know, have like a 100-year flood zone, that kind of thing, or what kind of uh, disasters happen on a regular basis. Because, you know, and, and like even in Houston, some blocks, they will they will flood after – a half an hour worth of rain, that kind of thing. So, and those are things that you need to know about. Um, I also say drive around the area that you're interested in, which is also kind of similar to what you're saying, also do the dry run, but also drive around because you'll actually see what's going on there, uh, whether what kind of businesses are there, if you know there's some shady-looking corners, that kind of thing. Um, and finally, I also, if I can, and if I'm visiting it and doing a walkthrough, you know, if I can chat it up with some of the tenants, I will. And I definitely check reviews of, uh, of the units before, not, not just the reviews in the apartment itself, but I would check you know, everywhere I can find, I'd, I'd see what kind of reviews people are leaving. Because a lot of times, you know, you know there'll be uh, some truth to what they're saying. You'll have some disgruntled tenants leaving bad reviews but you can kind of tell who those are and if you if management always responds to the comments uh with some kind of solution that's a good sign but if, if they don't then or if they respond kind of with a snippy rude um response you can kind of tell how they treat people so uh those are some of the things i i think about uh when i'm considering living in an apartment Good point. I've always made the suggestion to not only just drive it, but drive it at night as well. If you can, and yes. if you if you could get into the apartment complex at night, I mean, if mm -hmm. they have a security gate or whatever, uh, yes. get, in, get in at night and drive around a little bit, see what what it's like at night. So, Definitely, that's a good idea. So, what about living on on different floors? Um, you know, living in in an apartment complex. I know that we lived on the second floor and, and mm -hmm. I was, I was young. Uh, we were mm -hmm. young and we could, you know, jump up those, those stairs really fast. I really right. hated it when we had a lot of groceries, but you know, that's, uh -huh. that's kind of the way it was. But what about when you're considering all the, the, the practical aspects of apartment living, but then also maybe the prepping side of it, 
what do you what would you suggest to people when they're talking about what floor do I move into a first floor a second floor I mean do I go as high as I can go I mean what would you suggest I personally don't like the lower floors I mean it's more convenient but I, I don't like um, the first floor for sure because uh, in all the apartment complexes I've lived in they usually the ones that I get robbed the most are in the first floor I, I mean that's just reality I guess but um, so maybe the second or third floor if possible uh, just because one the for uh, the second and third floor if, if, if it's a flood area it's not gonna flood um, also it's harder to it, it might be harder to get to but if you if there's an elevator then that's n it's not a problem but also uh, also depends if you're in a security building or not and whether how hard it is to get into the security building because you know some some buildings say it's a security building but really anybody can get in because you you see the pizza guy just kind of waiting outside <laughs> and driving in behind other people that kind of thing so you know that's a lot of perception going on so I personally pick a higher floor if at all possible um, also you want to when you look at the uh, you know the security and also talk to you've talked to the tenants to see what kind of burglaries if, if any are happening there because you they will talk to you and tell you about it uh, a lot of times and then also um, definitely when you're looking at the apartment I'd look at the storage too what kind of storage it, does it already have okay so you mean like uh, like um a little small garage outside or a closet yes. or mm -hmm. yeah sometimes yeah if there is there a garage is there like a some some places even offer like a, a storage facility a, a storage unit or storage box that kind of thing so that's another thing i, I would look at besides um the the type of floor besides the floor and and um the security aspects of it okay that's good well in talking about size and storage have you you know in your years of experience have mm -hmm. you maybe gone with a bigger, because of the prepping aspect of it, gone with a bigger apartment for maybe like you don't need, you don't need a two bedroom apartment, but you get a two bedroom apartment or you get more of an apartment than you really need so that you could have the space um, as, as a prepper. Is that something that you've considered or that you've done in the past? Yes, I have done that in the past where I picked a three bedroom as opposed to a two bedroom so I could have the extra storage. Uh, and one room was just used for just that, just storage. Okay. You know, I had all my buckets in the, that one room, and nobody really used the room other than for, um, for my supplies and such. Okay. All right. And so that was, that was worth it to you to be able to do that. And, of course, I'm sure um, having, uh, you know, the, the cost and, you know, weighing all that is going to be important in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I definitely consider, you know, what's the difference between the two-bedroom versus the three-bedroom. If it's not that much more, uh, yeah, I would pick the bigger one. Okay. You mentioned talking with the tenants before, but how did you manage or how do you manage talking and building those relationships with the neighbors as, uh, you know, the, the ones that you're going to bump into every single day? You know, there is that operational security. There's that situational awareness. There's right. that, you know, that aspect of it, but, uh, you know, in an apartment complex, you're really close to, to people. So how do you manage that? How do you handle that? 
Well, one, I, I try to at least say hi to the people that are next door to me. If I mean, I won't knock on their door, but you, know, you usually see them because, you know, getting out of your unit, you'll run into them and you know, just kind of hi and maybe strike up a little conversation, you know, how long have you lived here without really, you know, giving too much away. You know, you get, you know, you just kind of sort of have a little conversation with them and uh, uh, kind of get to know them a little bit over time. And also the, of course, this was all before the whole COVID thing. Uh, they, sometimes the apartment will have like little gatherings, like get-togethers during uh, the different holidays. They might have a summer barbecue or or a Christmas uh, party, that kind of thing. I like to show up to those, and that's the best part, the best time to talk to the other tenants. Is then you get to know who's been living there the longest, so they kind of know what happens there and all that. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the opportunities that I've seen. And also, if there's a little gym, you know, and you go there to work out every now and then, it's easy to strike up a conversation with someone that's in the treadmill next to you just to get to know people. But definitely the ones that are closest to you are the ones that I talk to the most. Have you ever found uh, other apartment preppers, by, maybe by accident or uh, out there? You know what? No. I shockingly I have not you know maybe some maybe one or two that actually sounded like they do but they're kind of closed mouth about it you know as as normal people <laughs> because you don't really want to share too much but you can kind of tell they do uh, but they they're not too uh, forthcoming about it which I don't blame them because you got to be careful who you tell. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I would just, that's, that's, that would be funny, right? At some point, like, hey, you, you sound like a prepper, and then yes. you know, you're able to get it off there. Uh, right, that, right. That's funny. So, you know, someone living in an apartment is not going to have all the space. You know, that we, and this is really, I think, one of the, the big questions here that I think is really important. A lot of people want to know. Uh, with your with your experience and in the years that you've had living in an apartment and prepping and all the articles that you've written, what are give us some practical ways that apartment preppers or anyone who really has limited space can maximize their space and uh, be able to do some creative things that they we, we might not have thought about uh, just on our own. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well. If, if somebody's new to prepping, I would recommend they, they uh, declutter first and allocate one space because, you know, everybody's got a, a drawer or, or a closet that's kind of cluttered and has junk in it that you haven't used in years. Number one, empty that out, you know, donate it, uh, you know, sell it or whatever. Just get rid of the stuff that you no, no longer use. If you haven't used it for a year, then get rid of it, you know. So that's one thing. Another thing that I like to tell people is you use the vertical space that you don't really think about. So maybe the space above the closet or, um, or also another thing that you could do is um, I use a lot of space savers myself, you know, uh, like those little like shoe, shoe racks, that kind of thing. But I won't store shoes in them. I'll store preps in them. <laughs> You know, okay. so it's kind of like an off-label use for for the safe space savers. So you'll see those hanging shoe racks or hanging uh, compartments that people use for clothes and uh, linens and things like that. I, I won't use it for that 
what it's intended. I'll use it for supplies like canned foods and uh, first aid supplies and even toilet paper, that kind of thing. Whatever you can, uh, you can fit in there. Uh, I'll I'll use that. I'll use those uh, space savers that that um, they sell. I, I usually get them on Amazon or Target. I got a lot of them too. Uh, I also use um, nest, empty spaces, like nesting spaces. Like you, people normally have maybe a suitcase or two that they have in the closet, and the empty spaces inside those things are valuable. You can put all your, you know, a lot of uh, preps in those things, like suitcases, like even pots and pans that uh, are is sitting in your in, in your cabinet. I'll use the empty space inside the inside the pot for something. Uh, another thing is uh, you could have, I had an entertainment center that normally people fill it with, uh, you know, DVDs, CDs, that kind of thing. Well, I didn't use it for entertainment. I used them for canned foods and water bottles and things like that. So, yeah, so basically repurposing things, repurpose, repurposing spaces that normally are used for one thing, but I use them for preps instead. Did you ever, did you ever, um, you know, you, you hear about people like, uh, like a spare bedroom build, uh, instead of having a bed frame, maybe they have the, the whole bottom of the bed is made up of five gallon buckets of food, you know, uh, those types of things. Did you ever, ever do anything like that? Maybe a fake wall or, uh, I have never done it myself, but. What, what I've done is uh, I've put like a plywood underneath the bed. So that way I can pull out the plywood and I could store stuff underneath the bed uh, on the plywood that's easy to pull out. Because it's hard to store things underneath the bed if you can't pull them out, if you have to reach in there. So I put like a little piece of plywood that I can easily pull out. Uh, another thing I do, I use a lot of uh, five-gallon buckets uh, because they stack really well. So you can put them in the corner of your closet and nobody will ever see them because they're behind clothes or whatnot. So I do use a lot of five gallon buckets. Yeah, that, I, think, I think that's a, a great way to, to maximize, maximize space. And then you could even make a little table. I mean, you know, like you do four buckets and then you put some kind of a, uh, some, a wood piece, a, a square on top, and then you cover it with some kind of tablecloth people mm -hmm. wouldn't realize that, you know, it could be like an end table or something like that. Right. And even in your dining room table, I used to have a dining room table that had a super long tablecloth and I'd store stuff underneath that. Like I said, because, you know, I, I want to keep my preps, you know, to myself. And so if somebody comes in, you know, if they do some kind of inspection, uh, they're, all, they're all pretty well hidden. Nobody really looks at them because it's like hiding in plain sight. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So yeah, the, the closet thing, do you have shelves? Do you have like shelves that you take with you or do you build extra shelves going up? Because when I think about closets, just mm -hmm. like my closets that I have, there might be an extra two, three feet in the closet that, that they really didn't put shelves all the way up. Right. Right. You know, so I guess you could store boxes there or whatever, but if you, if you really wanted to be organized, um, you know, you could, you could have shelves up there. Do you build it out or do you just have something that you can tear down and take with you? 
I usually have, a, uh, I'd rather have something that I could tear down and take with me. So if I had like a walk-in closet, because, you know, most apartments now, now do. So I'll have like a closet and put my own shelves in there that I could, you know, that I get from Lowe's or whatnot. And I build one and then, um, or rather my husband builds it. And then we stack things in there. And then if we had to move, then we could just take it down. Because, you know, if it, we try to avoid making holes and such on the walls that you have to take it down and cover it back up when you move. So I prefer the ones that you build yourself and then uh, take it down yourself when you move. Sure. You, you got to get your deposit back, right? Yes. <laughs> and you put a bunch of holes in the, in the walls and you may not see your deposits. You know, you, you brought up something. I was thinking about this. Five gallon buckets going up to an apartment, you know, at the second mm -hmm. floor or whatever. How did you, right. did you try to hide those? Did you, you know, when you were taking supplies up, right? were you thinking about any of that kind of thing? Or were you just, I'm just trying to get these into my apartment as fast as I can. So. I try to get them as fast as I can. Um, it's usually good to move when... Uh, like on weekdays when there's nobody around. Uh, also, because I move, I also move things little by little so that it's really not that obvious. Or I might have a bucket and I'll put some other, uh, some kind of label or a box that has some kind of labels like says, you know, uh, kids' books or something. So, yeah, I, I do move things in kind of little by little, kind of not obvious. Um, and also put a separate different label on whatever it is I'm moving up, moving into the space. So yes, so you're being, I, I try to be discreet about it. You're being a, a ninja. You're being a prepping ninja when, right. you're, doing, when you're doing that. Right. Is there when when you when you think about prepping in, in an apartment mm -hmm. complex? Is there more of a reason to bug out? I mean, because when when we talk about you know, back in the day, I remember when Prepper website started, the, the big, mm -hmm. you know, bug out was the big deal. And it's still kind right. of a big deal. You write an article on bug out on, on anything, right. anything with bug out, you know this, right? You're going to get a lot of attention on that one. Exactly. But, but I think a lot of preppers are, and people are coming to the understanding that really the bug out is not, I mean, you still need to consider it because like, again, Hurricane Harvey, there mm -hmm. could have been plenty of people who said, Hey, I'm not, I'm not bugging out ever, right. but then their house flooded. Okay. We had a thousand oh, yeah. year, a thousand year flood here. Right. And so right. people who never, ever flooded, flooded and they had to bug out. So, uh, you, you have that, but is that even a consideration when, when we're talking about an apartment or is it, you know, cause I always say 95% of the time I'm bugging in 5% of the time I might need to bug out. I want to be, I want to bug in, but I'm going to prepare to bug out. Is that the same kind of idea for apartment prepping or are, are somebody who's living in an apartment, are they going to be thinking more about bugging out? Actually, now more and more, the longer I've prepped, uh, more and more, it's almost the same as what you said. Maybe 90% is I'm going to, you know, hunker down and maybe 10% is a possibility. Here's, here's the thing. When, when Hurricane Harvey happened, there were so many people that got displaced and they never thought about bugging out but they ended up and a lot of people moved actually into my building that lost their homes 
of, for that very same reason. It's because they got flooded and lost everything or maybe was able to just get out with, with uh, the shirt on the rack because they got completely flooded and had to leave and, and uh, move into another space because they lost their homes and their belongings. So, um, but 90% of the time you really don't want to leave because depending on if you have a place to go, you have to have a place to go when you bug out. Right. So unless you had, you know, uh, a farm or somewhere or a bug out location, I mean, where do you go really? So you're going to end up, you don't, you don't want to be wandering the streets either. So uh, I think most of the time you're going to end up staying in unless I'm going to say unless, uh, and this is more of a recent thing. It, if you live like in the chop zone or the chaz zone and you live in an apartment and things are going on right in your doorstep, then I, I would bug out at that. So I, I think if, if somebody, you know, I see that question, what if I live there and I would leave, I would not want to be there in a place like that, that's been taken over. So I think that would be one reason. So that's why it's still important to have an emergency kit or a bug out bag, uh, should that happen. But most of the time you're gonna end up staying in and and, uh, hunkering down. Okay, good point, good point. So I, I bet that you have really thought about going through an SHTF situation in an apartment right so i mean being being an apartment prepper for so long what ideas and procedures do you have for going through a real poop hit the fan i'm not talking about a hurricane or or you know uh you know the the grid is down for a couple of days Uh i'm talking about a real poop hit the fan situation what have you come up with what have you thought about you know as far as how you're going to proceed like say like yeah if if the poop really hit the fan and it's like a, a a big deal thing that you have to hunker down. There's one of the things that you have to deal with, of course, is uh, the hygiene situation in your apartment, right? So what if you can't flush the toilet? What are you going to do? So that's why you have to have a lot of five <laughs> five gallon buckets and cat litter, that kind of thing. So you like, you can at least deal with waste. Well, you have to deal have a way to deal with waste while, while you're in an apartment. And one of them is having uh, buckets and cat litter and tons of garbage bags and tons of hygiene items that you can use. And there's even some, I, and I did for a while, I, you know, the, those solutions that you do, like they do in those RV toilets that you, um, you the additives yeah. for uh, waste, that kind of thing, that, that could be a, a good addition to the preps if, if you're going to hunker down for a, for a long-term uh, hit the fan kind of situation. Now, on the other hand, you also have to watch for signs that if you got to go, if you got to go, you got to leave. There's also certain signs that you got to watch for that. Maybe you might have to go move in with a family member or some something, but as long as you have a destination, you also have to watch for signs, whether maybe the infrastructure has, has gone down and, there's lawlessness, maybe going door to door. You know, th- there's also certain things that may push you out, even though you don't want to bug out. So, you know, it's it's kind of a something that you have to deal with that keep keep uh, an eye out and an ear out on what's going on. So, what what would make you what would make you leave your apartment then 
in, in a real poop hit the fan situation, what would cause you to say, okay, hey, it's time for us to, to get out of here? Yeah, the, I would say the infrastructure, you haven't had power in a while. Now the water's gone, that kind of thing, or the water's being interrupted. That that would probably lead me to say maybe it's time to go. But okay. I mean, I would on on one hand, you don't want to be like the last one to leave because then everybody's leaving at the same time. So it's kind of a fine line that you have to keep an eye or ear out. Um, on the other hand, if if you were like in the, like there's violence in your area, there's you know gunshots happening every night, and you don't know if you're even safe in your bed, you know that kind of thing. The infrastructure's gone and there's no rule of law, those kind of things. All right. And of course, another thing is if, uh, and this could happen because it's happened in certain, if there's like a chemical spill, you got to leave right away, right? So, so there's things like that that could happen that would drive you out. Uh, even if you didn't, if you wanted to stay in your apartment, you'd have to leave. What, what do you suggest for uh, defense? You know, putting up a, you know, pr- protecting your, I don't know, your door, your windows. I mean, of course, if you're on the second floor, you're a little bit better off than somebody that's on the first floor. But yes. what what have you put into any thought into that? Well, yes, that's why I also like to harden the doors and the windows as much as I can. And that's why, that's one reason I like the second floor and higher floors better than the first floor, because I always thought that the first floors are the first ones that get burglarized, even in normal times. And the other thing is, I also try to harden the doors and windows by, by, by purchasing, uh, we we always get like uh, reinforcements for for the doors and windows, and also I even use a stick uh, type of thing in the sliding door so that you. There's a lock in itself, but most of them have locks. But I actually put a stick in there that keeps it from getting uh, broken into more. And also um, the doors, I have things that that bar the door uh, extra so that it gives you more time to escape, maybe. If somebody's trying to break in the front door, uh, I mean, all this is temporary because, you know, all, most doors are pretty flimsy. And if somebody was determined to blow up your door, they can. But, you know, you kind of want to put uh, things that deter, that buy you more time to escape. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want to put layers. Yes. Layers between you and the person trying to do harm as much right. as possible. So that yeah, and, and of course, yeah, you want to have wep- personal weapons like uh, a handgun kind of thing or a shotgun. If 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 you're you know if your per- personal preference believes in that, or if you rather have some kind of non-lethal weapons, at least have something, even if it's pepper or bear spray. I, I like the bear sprays, uh, uh, so you can have something to protect yourself if if you're being threatened. Oh, and know how to use it for sure. Definitely know how to use it because it's not does nobody no good if uh, you had a weapon and you didn't know how to use it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Have you? So I have a question. Have you ever? One of the things that I that I have looked into is the sewage situation mm-hmm. here, and mm-hmm. you know, you you brought up being able to use five gallon buckets and cat litter and. And for anyone who's kind of new to prepping, we do have new people. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. you would use the use the restroom in a five-gallon bucket, uh, yes. or, or you would put the the um, the plastic bag 
you know, mm-hmm. over your toilet. You'd use it like normal, but then you'd throw cat litter in there to right. absorb any liquid and also to cover up the smell and then put it into the five-gallon bucket. But Yes, yes, have, I would do that. Uh-huh. Have you ever looked into, as far as your sewage, if it would back mm-hmm. up or if it would uh, – you know, being on the second floor, of course, I mean, it would have to travel up. But have you ever looked into or talked to anybody about what would happen with your pipes and the sewage? Uh, would it back up in, a, in an apartment? I'm not sure. Yeah, I would think so. But then that's why I was thinking I would plug it up and I'd tape, uh, I would put the heavy-duty construction bags in the toilet and use it like that. Or, and also have lots of five-gallon buckets. Now, somebody was telling me a way that they would do, but then it, it involved digging a hole and all that and, and digging around your property, which you can't do that in an apartment. Um, so, yeah, you would have to, and maybe if I was worried about that, I would probably maybe get an RV toilet kind of thing or one of those composting toilets. But I, I haven't gotten that far into the that subject myself i have the i have the buckets and i have uh i have more than a lot of construction <laughs> bags and all that stuff and bleach and all that so um yeah let's hope it doesn't come to that. well and, and i was just thinking like if you're on the second floor but there was a third maybe even mm-hmm. a fourth floor and right. you, you might be using the buckets you you might know to do that but the third right. the person on the third fourth in the fourth floor are 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 they're continuing to use the toilet like normal and eventually right. there's going to be issues. You, you yes. see the first person to encounter that other than, you know, if it was somebody on the third floor, you know, using the restroom like that. So I don't know. That's just one of the things that I, I don't know why I think about because once, <laughs> once sewage enters yes. your home, it's kind of, you're done for you. You've got it. You've got it, right. you know? And so that's one of those things that, that people don't always we don't always talk about, we don't always think about in the preparedness community, but, um, you know, I don't, do you remember when Hurricane Sandy hit um, uh-huh. New York and there yes, was reports yes. of people because, I mean, their, their electricity was out for a long time. There was reports right. of people using the restroom in the hallways of their, of their buildings, you know, and of course you had flashlights, you were walking, but mm-hmm. you didn't realize you were walking in all that sewage. You know, yeah, that's it, awful. You know, that's awful. And then you mm-hmm. track that inside your home or your apartment, and you're you're you know you're sick. So yeah, that's disease right there. Yeah, that that's why I think you know there's at some point you may have to leave if it if it got to that point where your 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 unit is getting flooded with sewage. You know, I, I would have to leave before then. I that's why it's that's another thing that would cause me to leave because uh, you know the infrastructure is gone. So that's one thing you might have to do that might have to bug out at that point. Yeah. You, you should ask the next time you, 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 the maintenance man is around there, you should say, Hey, how did the, how did the sewage work here in the apartments? And uh, right, that right. Would, that's that a good be, one. That would be interesting just to, to think about that. All right. Yeah, so, that would be a good question for the maintenance guy. <laughs> I have, I have a question that I always ask those that I interview is, is what's one question you always wished you were asked, but you didn't get asked or you don't get asked? You know, a lot of people don't ask about uh, trying to be as self-sufficient as possible. 
and uh, while well, you're living in an apartment because um, you know we, we're so used to buying everything and uh, just going to run into the store but there's some well, there's you know at some point you may not be able to go to the store so that's why I think it's a good idea as part of being prepared to be aware of all product alternatives that you can use let's say you run out of toilet paper you know what can you use besides that if you're completely out of toilet paper and we've heard of people talking about that uh you know during this last uh uh panic buying uh so i think it's a good idea to be aware of product alternatives that you can use uh should you run out of some some necessities and people you know i usually don't get asked that question but i think it's it's a good idea to know yeah i i well you know when you have those articles like you know 50 uses for vinegar you know, right. 25 uses for borax and, and all that different kind, you know, you can use those, those in, in so many different ways. So yeah, that, that's good to be able to know that um, and, and have that. Has, has anyone ever maybe talked to you about gardening in an apartment and, and best ways to do that? Is that something that you look into? That's another thing that doesn't get asked. I do that a lot. I like to, I like to plant and do Every place I've lived, I've tried to grow something at least in the patio. Um, so I have something growing uh, all the time, whether it's herbs. If, if, if it's a really small space, I at least have, have to grow some kind of herb, like mint and uh, green onions. And uh, right now I have a couple of jalapeno plants going uh, and then some herbs and uh, I think I was trying to grow lettuce at one time too. So, um, but, but then it dried up when, as soon as the heat came. So yeah, I definitely recommend at least trying your hand at planting something and growing things. uh, Even if it's, if all you have is a windowsill. And another thing you could do if, is if you can't grow anything, you can sprout. So in also microgreens, it's easy to grow microgreens in little spaces and do us, do some sprouting. Uh, so you can have fresh food uh, that you can easily grow yourself without having the space. You know, has any of your apartment complexes that you've lived in over the years, have they ever had a community garden? I have not had a community. They had herbs at one of the places I lived and they had actually like rosemary and all kind of different herbs that was, but it was not a community garden. They just, they just grew them because they were decorative, which was kind of nice because then I could go down and get <laughs> get herbs whenever I wanted. But no, there was a community garden nearby, but the, the apartment was not a participating, so I, I wasn't a participant. Gotcha. Okay. No, I, I, that would be uh, that would be interesting. I would think. Um, you know, I the, think it would be fun. Yeah, I would uh, love to be in a community garden. <laughs> so my my last question, uh, I always ask this. If you were sitting across the table from someone drinking a beer or maybe some coffee and you wanted to share some important tips about being prepared, especially in an apartment, what would you say? I would say if they were completely not a prepper and I was talking to them and I was trying to gently encourage them to to prepare, I would tell them to at least have a month's worth of food and supplies and maybe buy a little bit at a time because if you bought a little something every time you went to the grocery store, you'll never have to hoard and you'll never have to worry about panic buying. And 
we all saw what happened with uh, COVID and people panic buying and running out of everything. So I, I would suggest they at least buy a little bit at a time of things that they normally use anyway, so that they would never run out and they wouldn't now never have to go uh, to a store and, and stand in line for hours just to get in when the panic buying starts. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Good advice. So t- tell us a little bit, you mentioned your book already, uh, but you have other books. So tell us a little bit about your books uh, before we go and, and how people can connect with you. Okay, sure. Thanks. Uh, I've got the Prepper's Pocket Guide, which is a very basic introduc- introduction to preparedness. Uh, if you, you can start preparing with little money and very little space. So that's what Prepper's Pocket Guide is all about. And also, you know, it has some uh, fun tips and hints on survival. And I've got the Penny Pinching Prepper, which is also about preparedness on a very small budget. And I've got Jake and Miller, uh, which is a children's book so that kids can learn about preparedness without being scared. And finally, I have a How to Prepare on a $50 a month budget, which is an ebook uh, that also helps you get prepared on very little money. And if people wanted to find me, I'm on Facebook uh, uh, slash Apartment Prepper. Uh, I also have a Pinterest page, Pinterest slash APT Prepper, uh, so it's abbreviated. And on Twitter, I'm also on Twitter at APT Prepper. And uh, I also have now a new Instagram page, Apartment Preppers, on Instagram. So, you know, you can find me in any of those places. And then the website? Of course, the blog, ApartmentPrepper.com apartmentprepper.com. Awesome. Well, Bernie, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the Prepper website podcast. I really appreciate it. You sharing your experience and your insights and uh, hopefully we we will do it again here real soon. Thank you so much for having me, Todd. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. Definitely. God bless. Okay. God bless. All right. So once again, Bernie, thank you so much for being on the Prepper website podcast greatly appreciate you and what you're doing out there in the preparedness community. Hey guys, uh, if you haven't checked out Bernie's books before, I have a link in the show notes that goes straight over to Amazon. Now I can't put that in the show notes that you receive in your podcast catcher, but I can do that over on the episode uh, over on the website and the, the episode article over there. So like always, I do provide links to make it very easy for you. I, you know, that's one of the things I talk about that pretty often, but I hate it when I have a, a podcast that I'm listening to and they're referencing something and then you've got to go search for it on their website. And so I try to make it really easy for you when you, uh, or when we mention something and I try to, to link it for you. So, uh, you can easily come over to episode 649 over at the prepper website podcast.com and go straight to Bernie's books over at Amazon. So I made it very, very easy for you. Well, guys, that's it for episode 649. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast catcher. Or you can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to prepperwebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. 
When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 hand-picked preparedness articles you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.